Good morning. If you don't know, I'm Teacher Terry's husband. That's why I'm knowing my. That's my name, Teacher Terry's husband. Uh, let's all stand as we read uh, our scripture reading. It's going to be in Luke, chapter two, one through twenty. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with his, along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the, day, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem, then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told by them, by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Good morning again. We're continuing our series in the Advent Conspiracy. Uh, Again, we gave out these flyers that we gave out at the beginning. We gave them out again because we had leftovers. And... Next week is Christmas, and hopefully we'll, we'll see you guys here next week. For Christmas, we are having a, a unique service. It's going to include everyone. That includes the children. We're going to meet in here, and before you freak out and think, oh my gosh, I'm not going then. Um, it's only going to be for one hour. The service is going to be one hour total. Uh, it's going to be a shortened service where we can sing some carols together, where again, we can remember Christ and his birth and not take too much of your time. I know it's a great day for us to be with family, and we don't want to stop that from taking place, but we are going to gather together and worship Christ uh, as we recognize his birth. 
and want to acknowledge it uh, amongst each other and with our family. And so what we've been doing is continuing in our series of Advent Conspiracy. We're wanting to take our story back. You see, the story of Jesus being born, even as David as Dave read, and David, I'm getting biblical, as David read, uh, and as we're going to be looking at in Matthew, is our story. But if you were to think about Christmas and how it is demonstrated, it seems like our story has been kidnapped. The baby is missing, and instead there has become shopping and gifts and parades and trees and lights and all those things, and those things are great and wonderful. We're not getting all Scrooge on you. We're not trying to stop those things. Stop having fun. Knock it off, all of you. Take those lights down, heathen trees. Get out of here, you know. We're, we're, we're not doing any of those things, but what we want to do is bring back worship. This is about Jesus. This is about who he is. This is about what he has done and what he means to us. And so what if we can take this story of who Jesus is and once again make it about worship and the things that we do so that we can buy our lives and in this season of Advent bring focus back to Jesus in the things that we do. Take our story back. And so What if we worship fully? What if we actually made this again about Jesus and showed it in our lives? And that's what kind of we go through in this flyer here. What what if we really brought him back to the center of focus and made this a season where we honored Jesus in the things that we did? What if we spent less? And by spending less, I don't mean not buying things, but maybe buy less things. Maybe not be so extravagant in how we spend our money so that instead of spending the money, we can give more. Give more means giving of ourselves. Instead of buying something, make something. Make cookies. You guys have been making cookies. I've gotten some cookies. Thank you. My wife has been making cookies. I haven't eaten solid food for the last two weeks. (laughs) I don't need to. There's cookies of various kind. And whenever she says, oh, rats, these didn't come out good, I'm like, yes, those are for me. (laughs) The broken stars, the dogs with the heads missing, they're free for me. You know, they're they're game. Okay, I can have more cookies. And so I, I plan to enjoy this festive occasion until the end of the year, then then I'll have to make a change. Uh, So what if we gave more, gave of our time, gave and made cards, spent time with people, and so it's not just about the money, it's about actually giving more. And what if we loved all? What if instead of the money that we would spend in exorbitant ways, we took that money and gave it to those who were in need, and again, give of ourselves and what this means to worship. We shared with you guys that we joined up with Healthy Start that is helping out children who are in need that are part of the school district, and we, in a sense, adopted 41 kids, and in the first day, you guys snatched up all those names, and today, we're going to be giving those gifts 
to those families. This is what we do by loving all. This is what we do by giving more. This is how we, we take resources and put them into a practical and a useful way of bringing glory to God. With, with these gifts, we, we're giving out a little card as we're going to be delivering them. And it says, These gifts come to you in a spirit of Christmas giving that Jesus so clearly showed us all. They are from a community of people who together wanted to make God's love for you and your family a little bit more tangible. Merry Christmas from your friends at Genesis. And so this is our ability to to bring Jesus back into the story and to reclaim our story and to make it something about worship. Now, we're giving gifts, but this is coming from a community of believers in Christ giving to people we don't know, but we know have a need. And so once again, what we are trying to do is worship the Lord in this season. We worship him always, but to take an opportunity to worship him at this time. And so we also mentioned last week that we are going to be raising money for Haiti for a latrine that is there at a school in St. Andres. You guys donated $910 last week towards that latrine. And so that's, that's kind of a weak applause, but it's okay. I'm not asking for a bet. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's kind of like, what do we do? I think we'll clap. Um, we're going to continue taking the funds for Haiti, for the latrine. As you feel led. This isn't, this isn't about making it a fundraising. We're not going to put a thermometer up on the side and, okay, we're at 70%. We got to get to 100. This is about worship. This is about, again, spending less that we can give more and worship fully. Love all. This is about our opportunity to make a statement. And this is the first time we've done this. I, I'm learning as we're going along and we plan on developing this in the years to come. But what, what a great thing if we were able to get all the churches in our community to do the same thing and make Advent Conspiracy something that impacts our schools and impacts our community and impacts the world in this way. And so we're continuing to take money. If you want to give towards Haiti, specify it as you put it in the barrel. That way they know that that money will go towards Haiti. Otherwise, the money will go towards the lights and rent and all the other things that we need. But if you want it specifically to go to Haiti, mark it down on your envelope or your check, and the money will go there. As we continue to raise that money in February, we're going to go and deliver that money to Genoa, who oversees the school, so that they can build that latrine or the cafeteria, as we mentioned last week. Um, Open to Matthew chapter 1. As we are looking at this story, the birth of Christ, we're finding out that it's a very inclusive story, that it's not exclusive. It's inclusive in the people that are a part of this story, even as we saw in the genealogy uh, a couple of weeks ago that there were four women that were mentioned, and they weren't the matriarchs. They weren't the women you would expect to be in the genealogy. It wasn't Sarah or Rebecca 
or Rachel or Leah. It wasn't the, the wives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead, they were women who had questionable moral character, women who were foreigners, who were strangers to the Jewish nation. And you see, Matthew is an evangelist, and his gospel is meant to evangelize those people that are reading them. He's telling us a story, and it's one that God is inclusive, that God is bringing people in. He's not pushing people out. He's desiring to include us into this story. We looked last week at how both Matthew and John gave us clarity into who Jesus was, that he was Emmanuel, God with us, the word made flesh. An understanding that this was a call to worship this baby because of who he was. And so he wants us to see that this worship includes everybody. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exactly what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Matthew is telling us that this is a global announcement. This isn't just specific to the Jewish people. This isn't to a certain space in our geography. This isn't to this select geographical location, that this is a global announcement. And he introduces this magi. We know him as the wise men. And these people are probably from Persia or somewhere in Arabia. We don't know exactly, but we know that they're astrologers. That they worship the stars, that they are idolaters. And so somehow, in a mysterious way, through 
the creation, they have this understanding that something is happening, something unique. But these aren't the people who we would pick to introduce and and bring news of the Messiah. In fact, these are people who would be despised. And you see, what Matthew is doing is showing us that God is speaking to many more people than you probably understand. And so these idolatrous astrologers who worship creation rather than the creator have been given insight, have had a revelation, something revealed to them about the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And so they come to this place. Mysteriously, somehow, they go to Jerusalem, ask, inquire. They are given scripture that gives them a little bit of clarity of of what's happening or what's to happen, and it gives them direction. And then finally, they find the baby and they worship him. God's revelation through creation, through Scripture, and ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. I think it's amazing how God is able to speak to people. We're going through the Gospel of Matthew on Thursdays, and we're in chapter 7. And in verse 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door shall be open. For everyone who asks receives. And all who seek find. And to everyone who knocks, it shall be opened. God is very inclusive. If you're curious, if you're seeking... God will make himself known. We see it takes place here with these magi in creation. They see something. God makes himself known, gives them a revelation in creation. Then they get clearer revelation through the scripture. And ultimately, in Jesus himself. It reminds me of Hebrews. God in sundry times who spoke to us in the past through prophets has in these last days spoken to us through his son. You see, Jesus is the ultimate revelation. He is the clear representation of who God is. And so it's like God is out there fishing all over the world. And he used a star as bait and he dangled it out there. And he got the attention of these magi and he just started reeling it in. Slowly started pulling it in until they were drawn to a deeper understanding and seeing Jesus, they worshipped him. Unlikely people to be a part of this story. And remember, they were always meant to be a part of this story. We look at them and say, man, that's so bizarre. I I used to read this passage and and, and everyone I had sat under and would go through teaching, they just kind of quickly go through this. Oh yeah, there's these magi. 
But they're astrologers. They're idolaters. What, what's with that? How come no one talks about that? They were always meant to be a part of the story because God told and promised Abraham from your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You, Abraham, are supposed to be a beacon of light so that all these people who are worshiping creation instead of the creator, all these people who are groping to find God but just don't have clarity at who he is, who, who look at the stars, who look at the things that are your handiwork, you're to be a declaration of who God really is. The one who made all these things. You're to give a clearer understanding so that they don't continue in their idolatry, so that they don't continue in their worshiping of creation. Instead, they worship the creator who is blessed forever. It was always supposed to be that way. God was always trying to include those in the world. And we see here that he doesn't need our help. Years ago in China, when the bamboo curtain was closed and they kicked out all the missionaries, they got rid of the schools. It was just this cleansing process so that communism could have a great hold on the people. And the church was ousted And all the missionaries were wondering, what's happening in China? What's going on? These people have been without the gospel for all these years. And finally, the bamboo curtain opens up. They go inside and they find out that there's six million Christians. How'd that happen? We weren't there. How did tremendous revival happen without our concerts and our... Great speakers. God had no problem. I was talking to my brother yesterday about some things that are happening in Iran. Again, areas that have been closed to the gospel are experiencing tremendous revival. How can that be? We're not there. Don't they know how important we are? And God has not stopped working. And he's reaching those who are in different places and different faiths. Those who are seeking are finding. Those who are asking are getting answers. Those who are knocking, the door is being opened to them. Because God is drawing whoever will ask, whoever will seek, whoever will knock. He is there to include them, to reveal the truth. And the truth is ultimately revealed in this baby, Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew's gospel is certainly a gospel to the entire world. We saw how how Christ came to us, and in chapter 28, we see that Christ then sends us out. And the response is beautiful. These magi, these wise men as we know them, they see the child and his mother and they bow down and they worshiped him. And then they gave him gifts. 
we see that their worship is not just about paying homage, but their worship after encountering, encountering Christ changes everything. They no longer go back to Herod because now they hear from God in a dream, don't do this, the guy is out to kill the baby. And so now they're, they're having another revelation from God, hearing from God specifically. We see that they give of themselves. They give their resources, opportunities that they have for worship. So it's not just bowing down. The, the resources that they have are now given to be a form of worship. And so they go from being pagan, idolatrous astrologers to some of the first disciples we see in Scripture. And it happens mysteriously, invisibly, a work of the Spirit of God in the hearts of these men. Changing them from where they were to be now these well-known figures in Scripture. And again, among the first disciples. As Matthew the Evangelist is trying to, to get a point across that Jesus is worthy of the worship of everyone in the world. That he is not just the Messiah to the Jewish people, that he is God in human flesh and he deserves the worship of everyone. And so he deserves our worship as well. He is the son given to all of us. And worship is the point where we actually see Christ and it changes our lives, just as it changed their lives. You see, that's what worship is. It's when we encounter this person of Jesus. We acknowledge who he is. And we worship him. The, the word worship means to give worth, to make important. And so when we say we worship something, it means we give it importance in our life. Well, what does it mean to give Jesus importance in our life? What does that look like? It's more than just singing songs. Because we can sing songs about Jesus and we can sing songs about drinking or your pickup truck if you're into country music. <laughs> Worship is about giving importance to something. So what does worshiping Jesus look like? Well, we, we get a little bit of an idea in these wise men, these magi. They fall down, worship, and they give of what resources they have to Jesus. They, they now hear the voice of God and obey. Instead of obeying the king, they change their direction and follow what God has told them instead of what man has told them. Their lives are now influenced just by understanding who this baby is. And so, I mean, that's what this whole Advent conspiracy is about about opportunity to worship God again with our resources, to give of what we have to things that God would want to be focused on and glorified in. 
changing our lives' direction so that now we are doing the things that he desires for us to do and living out that way. A change of direction because what is now of worth to us, what we now worship, has now influenced our lives. We, we all know the complaint against those who, who call themselves Christians. Oh, they're hypocrites. You know, they, this, they don't live, they don't walk to talk or talk, whatever, they don't do it. They, they fall short of what it means. And so we see that to be truly identified with Christ, we need to be people who worship him, that give him place in our lives. And I know that some of you have memories of when that took place in your own life. I remember myself when I was in high school and I, I was coming out of this kind of party atmosphere. I was at school at that time in Santa Monica and it was like two blocks from the beach. And so during lunchtime, we'd all go down to the beach there's a hamburger stand there. We'd get high. We'd watch the waves and the surfers and munch. And then sometimes we'd go back. Sometimes we'd forget. And I remember this was my life. These were my friends. We would jam, play guitar, and it was just kind of a groovy time in the 70s. And I went to a Bible study and I heard this message and I said, okay, I'll give God a try. Sure, I, I'm curious. I, I know there's something my life needs and I'm trying to find it and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm a spiritual person. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll go to a Bible study. And all these people were there, you know, kind of talking about the Bible. And all I knew of the Bible, well, I didn't know anything of the Bible, but all I knew of Jesus was that there was a movie, Jesus Christ Superstar, and so that was my full understanding of who Jesus was. I could sing the songs. And I remember they were going around praying, and I don't know what, but I prayed something. Because I remember everyone was praying, and I was like, yeah, I can throw that. And I was probably quoting from the movie, you know. I was like, oh, who knows what I said. But it must have been obvious, because this one guy came up to me, and he says, so, do you know Jesus? It must have been obvious. You don't know Jesus, but I'll be nice. Do you know Jesus? And I, I don't know what I said, something like, yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, I, I, I saw the movie, you know, I, I know about Jesus. And he started sharing me, with me some things, and he asked me, would you like to pray and receive Jesus? And I thought, sure, I'll pray and receive Jesus. And this guy was as wide as he was tall. He was kind of just like a chunk of a man. <laughs> and he goes, okay, let's pray. And then he got down on his knees. And it terrified me because I was like, oh, my gosh, you think this is real. And he asked me to get on my knees, and I got on my knees, and I can't tell you what happened. I said a prayer that I don't even remember, but I knew that I wanted something more, and I believed that maybe by getting on my knees and praying, God would hear me. And he did. 
And pretty soon I'm going with my friends and I'm doing the things I always did. And then I start going to these Bible studies with these other people who are kind of straight, you know. And then going back and forth to all these things and I'm kind of living this life and I'm just trying to find my way. And then pretty soon I found out, you know what? Whenever I get high, it really gets me down. It's not getting me high at all. It's really dragging me out. And all of a sudden, my change is taking place from the inside, and I'm desiring to know more about this, this Jesus, and I'm, I'm being drawn. I'm finding that there's life in this person, and that there's not the life I was looking for in these things. And that God was reeling me in. Not because of any wisdom or insight I had. I was pretty out there. But God was drawing me in. And you see, worship changes us. I started giving worth to Jesus. And there's really two responses that we can have and and two responses that we see in this Advent story. One is that of Herod. Who is this king of the Jews? He was threatened. If I give in to this king of the Jews, it's going to take my authority away. If I acknowledge this king, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my kingdom? What's going to happen to my life? And you see, the same thing happens to us. If I'm going to acknowledge this Jesus, what's that going to do to my life? How is that going to mess with me? What am I going to have to do? What am I going to have to give up? I'm going to have to go in the children's ministry and (laughs) throw kids around. And, And there's a fight. I don't want to give up. And so this recognition of Jesus is something that we fight against because I don't want to give up my stuff. I like my stuff. I want to be the king of my life. And if I acknowledge Jesus, well, there's only one king. So Herod's response was to go and kill all the toddlers that might be in that region. Try and eliminate the threat of another king. And we do the same thing. We'll eliminate any threat of this king. Oh, we'll listen, we'll be cordial, but anytime something starts to get too invasive, that's it. I'm done. Shut the doors. Not going to go there anymore. Don't want to listen. Why? Because it's threatening my kingdom. The other response is that of the Magi. They bowed down. They worshipped him. They gave him what they had. And they allowed who he was to now direct their lives. He allowed this encounter with Jesus to actually result in something. beautiful example of what worship is. So, when Christ is revealed, it causes a response. Like Herod, 
or like the Magi. But it causes a response. And when Christ is revealed, worship happens. But what is worship? It's when we worship Christ, it's that he would be revealed. We acknowledge who he is, that he might be revealed in us. And then what we desire to do, especially in this season, in this opportunity that we have, is not get caught up in the season with no worship, but by our worship, give testimony that God is with us. That our worship, like that of the Magi, would be seen, would be evident, would be influential, would touch the lives of those around us. And so we have opportunity to follow the example of these who were estranged, who became worshipers, who became disciples. Opportunity to do as they did. And what I love about this story, not just the one here of the Magi, but this story of Jesus and what he does is the most unlikely people. Those who you would think are so far away from God. God is constantly reaching. Saul of Tarsus going out persecuting those who are following Jesus, those on the way, putting them to jail, having them put to death for blasphemy. On a road encounters the risen Christ and becomes one of the premier apostles. Not the person you would expect. In fact, Ananias, when God tells him, I want you to go to help this guy, he goes, God, do you know who he is? He's killing people like me. God says, I have to show him many things that he's going to suffer for my sake. He who was an enemy becomes one of the chief apostles. Who in your life is out there? Who in your group of friends seems distant? talking to a friend and he was telling me about this band that he was listening to. He goes, yeah, but this one guy, man, I love his lyrics, but the guy's an atheist. And I was like, so? You think God has a problem with atheists? Oh, he's an atheist. Nothing I can do. I'm just God. Um, You're an atheist, man. Recently, one of the chief spokesperson for modern atheism, Christopher Hitchens, died of cancer. And fortunately, I haven't heard a lot of gibberish from the church like saying, well, now he knows who's real, you know. That kind of insensitive stuff for those who really like this man. But I did read one article with a guy named Larry. I forget his last name. He was a a Christian who debated Christopher often, and they became friends. 
And he talks about his time with him, how they became good friends. Christopher, with all his things, his drinking and his just mannerism, I mean, you see his debates, and this guy's just ferocious, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this guy's like the Antichrist, man. He's just. But Larry knew him. And he actually called Larry when he had found out that he had the cancer. And they spent time together. They went on a road trip, like an 11-hour drive somewhere. And in that road trip, Larry talks about how Christopher wanted to go through the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And so for 11 hours, they're talking about these things. And, you know, it's not saying, oh, Christopher became a Christian or whatever. No, but he was someone who looked like this on the outside, but was a good friend on the inside. Someone who you would think, oh, that guy's way out there. You know, maybe he wasn't as far as you think. And someone who many see as the enemy of faith, God sees as someone who he longs to reach out. And if he asks, he can find. It'll be answered. Knock, it'll be open. Who in your life, in your influence of people seems out there. Maybe by your worship, by your response in giving worth to Christ, it will give opportunity for them to seek Him also. Maybe by the manner in which we live and how we conduct ourselves especially at this time in this season, can give evidence to who this child is and how it has redirected our lives so that now we give worth to things that are worthy. That we are not going to get drawn into the madness. We're going to enjoy the season. We're going to eat way too many cookies. We're going to worship fully and allow our lives to give to those things that are worthy to be honored. Let's pray. Father, as we continue looking at your birth and what it has meant to us and to the world. May it provoke us to be worshipers. May it provoke us to be inclusive and not exclusive. May we invite others to give worth to you. Maybe it'll be in the service of contributing to some needs that we are aware of. Maybe it'll be in helping us to make cookies. Maybe it'll be in just involving them with some aspect that is honorable, that honors you. Lord, may we not be hesitant to change our lives, to allow you influence 
in us that is seen outside. May we respond as these magi did and not as Herod did. And Lord, wherever we are at, we know that you are drawing us to yourself. And wherever our friends, family, co-workers are at, you are drawing them. Father, you have put a star out for everyone that they would seek and find, that they would ask and it would be answered, that they would knock and you would open. To everyone who asks, they will find. Lord, may we bring those questions that would prompt them to ask. Thank you again for your faithfulness, your goodness. And Lord, the, the funds that we collect for Haiti, Lord, we pray that they would have your fingerprints all over them. God, that this would not just be a social endeavor, but this would be a form of worship, that this would give honor and glory to you, to those who receive it, and even within our own hearts as we give of our resources and worship you. Lord, may it honor you in every way. We do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.